I preach from up there, I am going to trip on something. So I'm going to try to preach from down here. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the paws that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I will perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this, these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your commandments. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But with this, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Here ends the reading of God's word. This is a very familiar parable, probably, to most of us. But I want to suggest to you this morning that as familiar as it is, most of us really don't get it. If you want to get it, you've got to understand a couple of things. First of all, you've got to understand the context of the conversation. Luke gives it to us right at the beginning of the chapter. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, 
saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So there's two groups of people that are hanging out around Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners. Those are the people that would have been outcasts, not welcome in the community. The tax collectors worked for the, the empire. They worked for the Roman government getting taxes. Most of them actually were probably pretty honest. They weren't as deceitful as we tend to think, but they worked for the empire, so they were still pretty hated in the community. Sinners were anyone who was dirty and who was unclean, who would never be allowed to enter the temple and become clean and get sacrifices before God. So Jesus is hanging out with these outcasts, these broken ones. And the Pharisees and scribes come together and complain about this because they're the opposite side of the community, right? They're the ones that are, are accepted, are loved. They're the center of the community. So if you want to understand the parable, first you've got to understand who Jesus is talking to and the conversation that they're in the middle of. Second, you need to understand that Jesus tells three parables here, and we only read the last one. Groups of three you find a lot in stories, right? How many of you remember the three pigs? Right? The three bears, go to the three bears. Normally there's one, there's one, and then there's a second one, and then the third one is much different than the first two, and we're supposed to notice that. Even last week we did the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus does the same thing. Okay? A uh, priest walks by, then a Levite walks by, then a Samaritan walks by. Groups of three. Jesus works a lot in groups of three. Stories work a lot in groups of three. This is no different. The first parable Jesus teaches is that of the lost sheep. Man has a hundred sheep. means he's a pretty wealthy man, by the way. hundred sheep loses one sheep, leaves 99 to go get that sheep. Just radical. Why would you leave 99 sheep to go get one sheep? If you heard that story, you would be thinking, he's going to come back and he's going to have 92 sheep. There's going to be seven more that wandered off. Sheep do not stay where they're supposed to. There's no pens in these days. Okay, radical. Lost sheep, man goes and does, goes radical efforts to go get the sheep. Lost coin, woman has ten silver coins, pretty valuable actually. We're not talking pennies. These are valuable, valuable coins. She loses one. She tears apart her house trying to find this one coin. And when she finally finds it, she throws a party party probably worth about that coin because she celebrates because she has this lost coin. Then Jesus tells the parable of these two sons. So whatever we do to interpret this, we better understand how it fits with these other parables. And then we better understand who the star of the parable is. We typically call this parable what? Parable of the prodigal son. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a terrible name for this parable. Because when we say the parable of the prodigal son, we pretty much only pay attention to the prodigal son. Jesus flat out tells us when he starts the story, he says, there was a man who had two sons. Jesus at the beginning of the passage says, the star of this story is not the son. The star of the story is the father. And the father doesn't just have one son, the father has two sons. And so whatever you do with this parable, it better end up being about the father. And somehow you better take into account both of these sons. Now, try to pretend you've never heard this parable a million times before. And let's walk through it. Man has two sons. 
youngest son comes to his father and says, give me my share of the estate. Okay? This is a big deal in that time. The father was in charge of the estate. He could do what he wanted with it. But normally it was divided when he died. You kept the family together. And in fact, normally most of it would go to the older brother. The older brother in any family would often get twice what everybody else got. So that the family had one more dominant uh, standing in the community. This son comes and says, Father, give me my share of the estate. What's he saying really? I don't want to have anything to do with you. I want your stuff, but I don't want to wait till you're dead. I want to leave now. I want to get out of town. This is a very public thing too, by the way, because the father doesn't have a bank filled with money he could just go to. Where is the estate? It's in land. It's in sheep. It's in all kinds of things on, in the community. So for the father to give him his share of the estate, he's got to go sell a whole bunch of stuff. You know what that means? The whole community knows this is going on. What the father should have done is kicked his son out of here. You're getting nothing. You're not a son to me. You're dead to me. Gone. And the community would have absolutely backed that up. But instead, this father gives the son what he wants. A little bit, a couple days later, the son gets everything and he takes off for another, for another land. And he, he blows all his money. Um, it says here, just this reckless living, the older brother seems to think there are prostitutes involved a little bit later in the story. Wild, crazy stuff. He spends all his money. That's what the word prodigal actually means, by the way. Prodigal means to spend lavishly. We use the word prodigal for somebody who leaves home and rejects his family or whatever, or her family. But we, we use the term that way because of this parable. The word prodigal actually means reckless spending. Just just spending like crazy. So he spends all this stuff and a famine comes. Now he's got no money. He's in a foreign land, so he's got no family to help support him. No crops of his own. He hasn't been raising his own crops. In a famine, everybody's got their crops, but they're not selling because they need them. So he's forced to hire himself out to feed pigs. Now, this is not an innocent detail. Are pigs good or bad animals in the Jewish understanding? Bad. They are the epitome of a dirty, unclean animal. You can't eat them. You can't be around them. If you're around a pig, you've got to go through a whole cleansing exercise before you're allowed in the temple. By working with pigs, he pretty much puts himself as a sinner in a Jewish understanding. And he would love not to eat the pigs, but to eat what they're eating. That's gross. Right? This is as low as it gets. He comes to himself. says, you know, back home, my father has all these people working for him, and they, they can eat what they want. They're well taken care of. I'll go back and apologize, and then I can't be a son, but maybe I could act as one of these servants. Interestingly enough, we make a really big deal about this son's sort of coming to his senses. But his language, Father, I have sinned, this part, I have sinned against heaven and against you, is almost a direct quote from Pharaoh with Moses. When, when Pharaoh apologizes uh, in the middle of the plagues, and he says he's going to let Moses' people go, and then he takes it back. So when Jesus, when Jesus is using this particular phrase, you've got to wonder if, the, if this younger son is even genuine. 
has he really come to his senses? Or does it just mean he got a better idea about how he can stop eating with pigs? Is the, is the younger brother still watching out for himself? There's a question there because of the language. So he comes back home. He's got this speech, and you can imagine him like practicing it. Father, I have no father. Father, I have sinned. He's trying to figure out how he's going to say it, what he's going to say. But the father sees him way off in the distance and starts running to him. I wonder how many mornings that father had stood looking at the horizon, waiting for his son to come home. And he runs. Fathers in those days didn't run. Men did not run. You, you were, as a father, you were supposed, like kids could run. But as a father, you don't run. You would have had to have hiked up your outfit, you know what I mean? They're not wearing, he's not wearing sweatpants, right? Okay? He's got to hike up his robe and expose his bare legs to run to us. You don't do this. This father does. And, and the son starts giving his speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. But he's trying to do it, but he can't because the, the father is just hugging him and kissing him. He doesn't even let him finish the speech. He said, go, get the best robe. Who, who owns the best robe in the house? Him. It's his robe. His robe. Go get the ring. Go get my ring. What's the ring? The, in, that, in that society, you had a ring. You could normally press it into wax. That's how you bought stuff. It, that for years, you have a seal on your ring. That's how it's your credit card for, for generations. So we get credit cards. Okay. He's not just saying, welcome my son back as a servant. He's saying, he's, he's a son. He was dead, he's alive, he was lost, he was found. He, he's back. Interestingly enough, the language of, of, that he uses of ring and of robe, another pharaoh says in the Old Testament. But he says it about Joseph. Remember Joseph, who interprets the dreams and gets to come in and run all of Egypt? It's a, it's, both are pharaoh languages here. So he, he kills the fatted calf. If you kill the fatted calf, you'd invite the whole community because they don't have refrigeration. You've got to eat the thing right now. So the whole community comes together to party. Party because the son is there. Amazing, amazing celebration. In fact, the older son is out in the field and he can hear the music and the dancing. Do they have sound systems then? No. This party is epic. Okay, if you can hear a party in the distance, it's a rockin' party. Okay, so he's like, what is the big celebration about? Somebody tell me, your brother's gone. And he will not go into the party. He will not go into that party. He won't even acknowledge his brother when his dad finally comes out and he says, that son of yours, not my brother. But you know, if he doesn't go in the party, that's a very public statement against his father, too. Because the whole town's there. He's just like his younger brother at this point, publicly rejecting his father's leadership. He's out there in the field, and he won't go in. And the father comes out to him, and he begs him, Son, your brother was dead. He's alive. He's back. Lost. Now he's found. Come into the party. And what is the younger... What does the elder brother say? By the way, the elder brother, word elder is presbyteros. This is the Presbyterian brother. 
And he's out there. He said, look, all these years I have served you. I've never, never disobeyed you. You didn't even give me a goat. He uses the word served. You know the younger brother uses the word served too? It's in his plan. All my, all my father's hired servants. I'll go back and be, a, I can't be a son. I'll go back and be a hired servant. That's his plan. Do you know the older brother? He sees himself as a servant. All these years I've served you. I've been a servant. Here we got a younger brother. Doesn't think he's a brother. Doesn't think he's a son anymore. Wants to come back and be a servant. Here we have an elder brother who's been there the whole time. And he doesn't think he's a son. He thinks he's a servant. And then the parable ends. And you never get to know if the elder brother goes into the party or not. You're invited to wonder, what will he do? What will you do? See, there's two ways to be lost. Two ways to be separated from the Father. One is to be bad. You can be bad, you can be wild, you can go off and do crazy living. But there's another way to be lost from the Father. And that's to be really, really good. So good you don't need God anymore. So good you see yourself as a servant, not even as a son or a daughter. And interestingly enough, those two brothers perfectly fit the group that's in there with Jesus, right? you got the sinners and the tax collectors. They're going to say, yeah, I'm, old, I'm a younger brother. That's me. That's, that's me. That's who I am. And in the... In the the scribes and the Pharisees, they're acting just like the elder brother. Jesus is partying with all these people that are, were lost and are now becoming found, and they can't stand it. They're complaining, how could Jesus hang out with these people? Now, you got to understand this now, in the context of the three stories, right? Because we've got, we got a lost sheep. Guy goes, finds a sheep, brings it back. We got a lost coin. Lady goes, finds her coin, brings it back, throws a party. There's an important piece missing in the third parable, right? We've got a lost son, and nobody goes and finds him. Nobody goes and finds him. It should be obvious to us. You found the sheep, you found the coin, nobody finds the lost brother. What happened? Well, probably it was the elder brother's responsibility to go find his brother. He's got a poor elder brother. Here's the cool news. We've got a great elder brother. Because when we were lost, Jesus didn't just go to the next country. He goes all the way to the world. He goes all the way to the cross to pay for us to come back home as sons and daughters again. He is the one who finds that's missing in the parable. He is the better elder brother. And so the way for us to get home is paid for. It's earned. It's done. What's stopping you from coming home? I don't know which brother you identify with. Maybe you're a younger brother. You have been wild and crazy in your life. Maybe you're an elder brother, you or sister, you've never done anything bad like ever. And you, you still might be separate from God. 
In fact, I'm amazed how many people I know have been both brothers, right? They were wild when they were younger, and now they're elder brothers. Or they were like perfect until they hit their 20s, and then they were crazy. We can switch brothers all the time. I don't know which brother you identify with, but, but the story's not about you. And the story is not about the brothers even, is it? Who's the story about? The father. There was a man who had two sons. So I don't know which brother you are, but the image I want you to think of is that father. Okay, the father is the one who spends lavishly. The father is the one who's ultimately prodigal. He spends like crazy to get his son. Maybe you're that younger brother, and you have been out and away from God for a long time. You've been crazy and wild. You've done everything for yourself. The image I want you to remember is that father running to you. You've worked it out in your head. If, if I ever have to talk to God, I'm going to have to tell him about this, and I'm going to have to work out my speech, and I'm going to make this deal with him. And I'm telling you right now, God is not even going to let you finish your speech. He's going to run and hug you and embrace you. And if you're that elder brother, the Presbyterian one, and you've done all the right stuff, and you think that gets you bonus points with God, and you think you've got something expected from God, I want, I want you to picture this father coming out, leaving his own party, to come out to you in the field and beg you to come into the party. Saying, everything I ever had was yours. I'm not going to listen to your speech either. I love you getting the party. Because I ultimately think the Christian family ought to be a party. A home where we are all welcome. And I think that's the, the parable. I think that's the father in the story. And so I don't know which brother you are. But God is ready to run to you. And he is ready to beg you and entreat you to come into the party. And maybe he has been doing it for a very long time. Maybe it's time you listened. Let's pray. Father, it, it means something different right now to call you Father. Because you love us, you run to us, you beg us, you spend like crazy on us. You send your son all the way to the cross for us. And still we get caught in these patterns. Patterns of selfish living, whether it be wild and being bad or being super religious and being good. We're thinking that your love is not about being bad or about being good, it's about being loved. Help us to receive that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.